Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, like many cities around the world, New York transformed into an eerie ghost town during the height of the pandemic. Mark O'Toole, who has lived there for years but is originally from Wicklow, started filming the empty streets with his phone and did it so much that he eventually decided to turn it into a documentary. It's called Outside In and will be screened tonight at the Harbour Bar in Bray at 7.30. Mark, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Now, as I understand it, you were just filming the streets at the beginning. When when did you kind of think there might be something in this that there's a story to tell within this? Well, you know, good good question. I mean, I started filming uh, at that time because I just felt like you know it, it felt like a very historical event, and you know I just felt compelled to go out and shoot something, if nothing else, just to capture the moment. Um, and then it was sort of later on after I'd actually been approached by some producers at Netflix who were looking for this footage and got word. There wasn't a lot of footage, uh, you know, of the, of the empty New York at that time. And they, they, that, that process of that started giving me the idea, oh, maybe I, I should do something a little bit more with this and instead of hours and hours of, you know, footage in New York empty during that uh, lockdown period. Um, you know, I started to think about how do I construct a, a narrative framework that I could sort of tie the whole thing together, capture the moment, but also make it interesting for a viewer to watch. Mm. So it's so, what was the narrative framework? What what was the story you eventually decided to tell and how did you tell it? Well, you know, they, they, when you're making something, you write what you know. And, um, and so I decided to make it more of a personal story with the backdrop being that period, you know, that grim period in New York in, in the spring of 2020. So I sort of set it against, you know, my family and how they how they were managing you know, the process, how we try to, we've two little kids and how do, how do we make that normal for them to um, not be so impacted like a lot of other kids and other folks were around the world. It wasn't just a uniquely New York story. And then sort of what we ran head, head front into um, a little later in that spring, you know, end of May, early June, is civil unrest started. Most people probably don't realized there was lockdowns and riots in New York um, around that period. And, you know, I, I captured a lot of that while I was out uh, doing my, my forays uh, around Manhattan. Yeah. And, and the, the riots obviously were, were connected to uh, the, um, various shootings, Black Lives Matter and all that. Yeah, it, it was. It, yes, it sort of started. Well, the riot started just there was a lot of looting. Um, and I think it was just three months of intense lockdown. And you know, people were acting out, and and then that was followed by the George Floyd, and then that Brianna Taylor story, you know. And I think, you know, and and rightly so. I mean, people were were outraged. I mean, anybody who watched that video um, uh, of George Floyd it was just a, you know a disgraceful act. And and I think the compendium, if you like, of three months of lockdown and and the rage around that social injustice of that, you know, people just acted out and wanted mm. to get out on the streets and show their voices and and let it be heard despite the dangers. I mean, we, we were still sort of in the lockdown. So that's why they they started um, instigating, uh, um, you know, uh, a curfews, you know, seven o'clock. If you were on the street, you faced arrest. Um, yeah, it was a very sort of a heady he did time. Yeah. Well, in the, in the initial time, were people allowed to go out on the street? You could. You know, it was very uh, unlike um, 
you know, Ireland, I think, you know, where you were told you weren't allowed to go anywhere. There, you know, the backdrop there was, you know, by April, nearly a thousand people a day were dying. So there was, you know, you didn't have to tell anybody to stay at home. You know, people were petrified to go out. You know, I know every time I went out to, to film, my wife was, uh, um, you know, petrified that I would catch COVID and wouldn't come home sort of thing. Um, but, you know, it, it was sort of self-imposed, you know, that just nobody knew back then. It seems funny now when we think about it, but nobody knew back then how, how you catch COVID. Was it airborne? You know, we were washing, you know, uh, alcohol wipes and anything we bought in the stores, the few stores that were open, um, you know, for the shopping and whatnot. So, yeah, we, we weren't told to stay home, just people were. But then I discovered pretty early on that, um, you know, there was very few people on the streets anyway. So, running around and capturing that, that was the, the interesting aspect to it is that everybody was locked inside, which is why I called the documentary Outside In. You know, mm. I, I was initially actually shooting little vignettes and putting them up on YouTube for my friends who were locked up inside to see, you know, what's outside, if you like. Yeah. And when you were going around, did you get any indication of what might be happening behind all the closed doors and windows? Were people leaning out windows, perhaps, you know, shouting down at you, that kind of thing? Every night at uh, seven o'clock, um, out of the, the, all the windows in, in New York apartments around the city would open up and we'd all lean out the windows with our pots and pans and anything else we could bang on. And we would just bang away. It, it, it inspired, I'm sure, by what was happening in Italy, you know, mm. in, in early March, late February. Um, and, and so that went on for months. But I remember by the time, you know, and it was sort of a show of support uh, pre- predominantly for, for the hospital workers and doctors and nurses and people. I mean, boy, they were literally overrun um, in those hospitals and people really empathized and understood the, the difficult job that they had. You know, it was just 24-7. But I, I think by the time June came around, I think we were all probably going, oh, when, <laughs> when, you know, it was seven o'clock, bang the pots, followed by, you know, a Trump um, crazy talk on TV, then followed by Andrew Cuomo, uh, uh, you know, and that was the one we all t- tune into. It's like crazy talk with Trump and then the real story with Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York at the time, you know, going, what's the state of play and, and how, are, how are things going to progress or get better and things like that. So, yeah, it was sort of, we had a routine, you know, people in New York and, and, and out the windows we went. But by June, I think we were all going, okay, well, hopefully somebody will stop banging the pens and we can all get a rest. But that was the sort of the state of play for at least three months. Yeah. Did it ever feel kind of slightly dangerous on the streets? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, uh, during the riots. Early on, no. I mean, even the homeless people disappeared, you know, for the most part. Um, and, and just, you know, the crime was down. I mean, everybody got the picture, right? And so in, initially I thought, okay, this could be dodgy. Um, I did some forays on the subway and it was like riding ghost trains. So the subways, bizarrely, were running Gosh. on time, but they were empty. And um, so I filmed a lot of that and then uh, didn't didn't include a lot of it in the documentary because you need permits, which seemed daft at the time since there was nobody mm-hmm. on the trains. But I have all that footage anyway. But um, yeah, then later on when the riots started, um, you know, there was a real sense of dread and impeding doom. You know, there were every carpenter they must have got in New York City were out on the streets boarding up all the shop windows all over. And, you know, you could sort of sense there was stuff was going to happen that night kind of thing. Um, And that was the only sense you you, you felt there was sort of dread in the air. Um, But I never felt like I was going to get killed or anything like that. Mm. uh, And how did you manage it with your kids? Because, you know, you're in an apartment, kids are going, what the hell's going on? What happened to my normal life? 
Yeah, so my, my son had just, um, at the time, he was five, and he was just completing his first year in kindergarten. And, um, you know, so for him, he went from being, you know, a technophobe to, you know, a savvy Zoomer <laughs> by, by the end of the period. But I, I will tell you, the homeschooling aspect was the initial first fright. It's like, you know, what we realized very quickly is that none of us are teachers, and, you know, we should pay our teachers more. <laughs> oh, my, it's, because, it's funny you say because that's like a, probably a universal theme all over the world, that people that come out of this going, you can't pay teachers enough money. You really can't. Yeah, that's exactly what we're, the teachers and nurses and doctors, you know, pay them all because they're, you know, they're on the front lines of this thing, and it was, you just appreciate how much more teachers do for kids, and um, but yeah, that was, that was disastrous, just, you know, trying to get that and work from home and do all of those things confined in the apartment and then later on we we, we realized that we came out you know our goal was to try and keep it as normal as possible so they didn't short of getting them to wear masks that they didn't think that this was something really abnormal and we go out early in the morning and we we trot off to um, central park and we'd have the whole park to ourselves so you know it, it was gas you know be wandering around the fields in there <clears throat> with the backdrop of the city and the skyscrapers um and just nobody else but us it was almost like we had the, had a very large garden with a city backdrop it was very bizarre yeah but, but probably like a lot of parents explaining it to your children were out you know whilst not trying to completely freak them out yeah, I mean, we would, you know, they, they're, they're, they're savvy. Um, they know when to put masks on now. We don't have to tell them. They, they're very good at washing their hands and doing all those little things that you got them, you know, we'd explain why and the germs and things like that. And they, they knew there was a coronavirus and everything else, but they weren't, we did it in a way where they weren't frightened. Um, you know, they weren't frightened as much by it, but they understood that they needed to do something to sort of stay safe, um, mm. you know. The footage that you've taken then, that now, I mean, there, there will be a screen, uh, screening tomorrow night in the Harbour Bar in Bray, which, as I understand, is the, the family business kind of thing. But wh- wh- where else has it gone to? Who else has looked for this footage? Yeah, so, well, but, you know, the, the film itself has actually been playing the film festivals around the world. Um, so this will be the first screening in, in Ireland. Um, you know, it, it turns out, you know, a lot of the footage that I shot, there wasn't a lot of it. And I discovered that when, when you know, producers in Hollywood started reaching out. And um, so more recently, you can see some of that footage, not necessarily in the documentary, on a, a documentary directed by Amy Rice and produced by Modern Family's Jesse Tyler Ferguson called Broadway Rising, all about what happened to Broadway, you know, a $14 billion business that shut down almost overnight. Um, and <clears throat> that's currently on Amazon Prime. And so, you know, they had reached out too, and they said, listen, can we, can we use all this uh, lockdown footage because we there isn't much of it out there and so that's when I realized you know okay I've got some I've got some gold here and a lot of footage that a lot of people don't have and so you know I'm going to preserve that the um, New York in New York City the New York Historical Society uh, Museum had also reached out during COVID and they were capturing you know the moments you know in the moment you go and try and capture as much as you can while it's fresh and they had reached out, seen some of that footage, and I was writing at the time a digital diary about you know life at home and how we were how we were getting on and surviving during that period. So they've captured that now as part of their new um, digital diary series. So you know, I, I kind of I, I like the idea that maybe you know twenty thirty years from now when I'm long gone, <clears throat> my kids will attend some exhibition looking back at this grim period and see themselves, their young selves, in it. Um, mm. Uh, preserved for all time, as they say. Uh, is this the first documentary you've made? Is this now kind of a new career for you? 
Well, you know, it is the first I, I mean, I, I, uh, I made some films over the years. Uh, I made a film actually with Tom Hickey, who sadly passed away there the mm. last year, I think it was, called Dancing on the Face of the Moon. That was my first film. It was on RTE many, many years ago. And so since then, I've sort of, uh, I, I co-founded a theatre company in New York City called Storm Theatre over the years. And that, for, unfortunately, COVID put that out of business. Um, you know, they, they're just with the theatre shutting down and whatnot. But, and I was in a band and I was doing little videos and music videos and things like that. So I've been very sort of fresh. But the documentary idea, that's, that's the new aspect to that. And, you know, I had to learn um, how to edit because I couldn't find an editor. And um, so that was fun. It was just learning new skills while other people were baking bread and learn how to sew or whatever they did. <laughs> you know, I thought, well, I'll get uh, Final Cut Pro. I'll download that and see if I can master that. And the name of that film is Outside In and will be screened tonight at the Harbour Bar in Bray at 7.30. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.